Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The village of Nain is around 14 kilometers from Nazareth, where our Lord grew up. Eusebius, an early church historian in the time of Emperor Constantine, mentioned that there was a large Christian population there during his day. These people would have been the descendants of the mourners and those who heard them declare, a great prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people. They had seen the miracle that Jesus had performed, and they had faith created in their hearts by the Holy Spirit that Jesus Christ, sorry, that Jesus was the Christ. This faith they passed on to their children as they told the story of how Jesus had come to their village and raised a young man from the dead. They spoke of their ancestors who had seen the Lord or heard firsthand from those who did, passing on the faith and confirming the beatitude to future generations, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. And it is outside of this small village that our gospel lesson takes place. After healing a centurion's servant in Capernaum, also in Galilee, our Lord made his way towards Nain with a large crowd following him and his disciples. As he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died and was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a considerable crowd from the town was with her. Funerals at that time were much different than they are today. The procession would not have been quiet on its way to the cemetery, but quite the opposite. It would have been loud, with people singing dirges and laments, with others wailing and crying to help the woman or the widow to mourn as they made their way slowly from her house to the cemetery, which would have been outside of the walls. At seeing this sight, and knowing by virtue of his divine omniscience that this woman was a widow and that the deceased was her only son, our Lord had compassion on her, and he said to her, Do not weep. Then he came up and touched the bier, and the bearers stood still. This was not something that just anyone did. Touching the bier would make one ritually unclean. It was not something you did unless you needed to do it unless the deceased was your family or close to you, and you are willing to become ritually unclean for that number of days until the purification could happen. However, because of our Lord's holiness, he could not become unclean. Rather, the unclean uncleanliness flees from him. And as the Lord of life and of death, he only needed to say, Young man, I say to you, arise. And the young man got up, alive and speaking. The people of the village who praised God, saying, A great prophet has arisen among us, as well as God has visited his people, were certainly right. But they did not yet know that Jesus was more than a great prophet, that he was the Christ, the God-man, the Son of God in human flesh, who came to defeat death. And this resurrection of this young man points forward to the miracle of Jesus' own resurrection, 
a resurrection that not merely delayed death, as it did in the case of this young man, but utterly defeated it. But this miracle not only points forward to our Lord's own resurrection, but it also points forward to the way of life for those who follow him. First, the way our Lord had compassion on the dead youth and his mother reminds us of the way our Lord had compassion on the world. Yes, the compassion that he showed to this widow and her son mirrors that which he has shown to all of us, to all humanity, to the world. A compassion which led him to take on flesh, to bear our sins, and to die in order to free us from them. St. Paul reminds us in Ephesians that before we became Christian, before our baptism, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. Dead, just as the youth. This is how we were until Christ raised us from the dead. And it is in truth how all unbelievers are now. All around us there are funeral processions, as those who do not trust in Christ for salvation pass us on their way. Even those unbelieving friends and family and neighbors are spiritually dead and in need of the resurrection from spiritual death which only Christ can give. In need of our Lord to touch them with his spirit to create faith in them that they too may rise to life, just as the youth did in this lesson. Just as you and I did when Christ raised us up through his mighty power. In the lesson, he raised up the youth by his word, saying, Young man, I say to you, arise. So too, today our Lord continues to raise us up with his word. His word in which the Spirit creates faith, and by working through it. Whether that word comes through simple means from a humble man or woman sharing the reason for the hope that is within them, sharing the news of Jesus' death and resurrection, that it has defeated sin, death, and the devil. His death, which has given us the forgiveness of sins, the promise of our own resurrection, not only in spirit, but also in body on the last day. Sometimes that word of Christ comes united to water, according to Christ's command in the sacrament of holy baptism, where according to his promise, we are united to the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. As St. Paul said in Romans chapter 6, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried with him, therefore, by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall surely be united with him in a resurrection like his. Whatever the means, Christ, by his word, raises all who believe in him from death of sin to new life, just as he raised the young man in name. But this is not the only death and resurrection of the Christian. Rather, it is merely the beginning, for the entire Christian life is one of death and resurrection. Daily, we Christians must die, die to sin die to our own passions, die to our own wills when they do not align with the will of God. For to walk in a new life, to walk in life after being raised from the death of sin, 
We must live in God while being dead to sin. But just as the young man, whom our Lord raised from the dead, would one day die again, because his body is still a mortal body, a body still touched by sin and death, we who have been raised from the death of sin to new life in Christ by our Lord still carry with us the corruption of sin, and we are still surrounded by the devil's temptations and assaults. We still live in a world in which it is easier and more convenient to live as one who is truly dead than one who is dead to themselves. This is why we must daily die to sin and rise again to new life in Christ. But it's not something that we can do on our own, however, because certainly we are too weak. Even being raised to life, the old sinful self continues to rage against the new. And even in this new life, as long as we live in this fallen world, we are poor and needy, and needing to cry to the Lord all the day long. Yes, even in this life, we still struggle with sin. We still daily sin much, and even though we do not want to, we still fail to love the Lord our God with all our heart and with all our soul, with all our mind and with all our strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves, despite all of our striving to do so. We must still rely on the Lord who is good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love, forgiving our sins for the sake of Christ Jesus, who is God in the flesh and has visited his people, to die for us and raise us again, to forgive our sins and to raise us up from our death to life. Any strength we have in ourselves, that is, in our new selves, that which St. Paul in our epistle calls our inner being, comes from God. His Spirit working in us to strengthen us by his grace, so that as Christ dwells in our hearts by faith, we live in him. May by his power put to death our old flesh, and walk in the good works which he has prepared for us in our various vocations. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, St. Paul writes, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, that he might grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. His love is so great towards us for the sake of Christ to forgive our sins and to unite us to Christ our Lord. This union is a wonderful gift from God, a gift which unites us to our life and our light, and it is through him that we have been raised from the dead to life. Through that union, we continually die to sin daily, for that cannot come from ourselves, but must come from him. For being united to him, we share in what is his. We share in his life, but also in his sufferings and death. Yes, the call of Christ to follow him is a call to die daily and to suffer with him, to say, not my will, but thy will be done, O Father, and to accept the cup of suffering, trusting in him. But know this, brothers and sisters, that through this suffering, by virtue of faith, being united to Christ, 
and by the work of the Holy Spirit within us, our sinful self is being put to death, and we are being prepared for the glory of life everlasting. For through Jesus Christ we receive the forgiveness of sins through faith and have the hope of everlasting life, even though we die. Yet for the Christian, for those with faith in Christ, death itself is not something to fear. For the one who believes, for the one whose sins are forgiven, death is not as final as it appears to be. Yes, death is still death. It still violently severs the body from the soul, and it is a result of sin entering into the world. It is unnatural. It is an aberration, a flaw, a mar in creation, something that was not originally part of it, something we rightly mourn when it happens and deeply feel. Yet despite all of that, for the Christian, death is not the final thing that it appears to be. Christ's own death and resurrection has spoiled death, for he himself bearing our sins yet sinless defeated death by his death. It could not hold him, and on the third day he was raised again from the dead, never to die again. The young man in our gospel lesson, he died again at some point in his life, just as his widow mother would have died. The same is true with all others that Christ raised in his ministry, even those the prophets raised. Jairus' daughter, she died. Lazarus, his good friend, even he died again as well. All these died because the wages of sin is death. Because of that, we too will die. But Christ Jesus had no sin of his own, and in dying he destroyed the power of sin and death, and so being raised from the dead, he will never die again. And because all who believe in Christ are united to him, united to his death, so too his death has become our death. That means that when our death comes, we do not need to fear it, because we have already died in Christ. And therefore, Christ has taken the power of death away from those who believe in him and are justified. So that when we die, we're with Christ, who has united himself to us by faith, and we await with him the resurrection on the last day. For on the last day we will see the end of death forever. On that day, Christ our Lord will come again in the flesh. He will come in his death-destroying power with legions of his angels. On that day, we will all proclaim, God has visited all his people as he comes to judge the nations. On that day, all will rise from the dust of death, those who died unbelieving, who died rejecting the life which Christ brought, who wanted to remain in the deadness of their sins, or those who forsook Christ and exchanged the truth for a lie, will rise to everlasting shame and contempt, as the prophet Daniel said, as they go to the second death. But those who trust in Christ for the forgiveness of their sins, you have already died. You have died with him, and you have already been raised with him to life which abounds with good works and rooted in love. On that last day, you will rise and receive in truth what you possess now by faith, the resurrection and the life. 
They will rise, brothers and sisters, never to die again. And in this life, in the new creation, no more will we need to daily die to ourselves because we will live in perfect peace with God and with one another. There we will live pure and cleansed with no traces of sin remaining. There we will meet with those who have trusted in Christ their Savior for their justification as we gather around the Lord on his throne in the midst of the new creation and praise him who raised Jesus from the dead, saying, God has visited his people. We give thanks to you, O Lord, our God, with our whole heart, and we will glorify your name forever and ever. Great is your steadfast love towards us, for you have delivered us from Sheol. May God grant this to us all, by the merits and mediation of Jesus Christ, his Son, our Lord. Amen. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and now may the peace that surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Please stand as we continue now with our offertory.